I'm Spencer Levy, and this is The Weekly Take. On this episode, we're doing something that many of us haven't done in months. We're heading into the office. There is a lot of confidence that the future of real estate strategy is going to be different. That's Julie Whalen, one of CBRE's thought leaders on workplace insights and the lead author of an expansive new survey on office space trends. The real challenge, I think, is going to come for companies to figure out, how do I drive innovation? How do I drive new ideas? How do I drive the next breakthrough thing? And that's Brandon Ford, who heads up CBRE's Occupy Our Accounts group, which is bringing the data from that survey into play for office space tenants. Time to go to work and to look at the future of the office. That's right now on The Weekly Take. Welcome to The Weekly Take, and I'm delighted to be joined by two friends of mine, Julie Whalen, the head of Occupier Research at CBRE. Julie, welcome. Thank you, Spencer. And Brandon Ford, yet another friend of mine, and we grew up only a few miles down the street from each other in Westchester County, New York. Brandon Ford, the president of Client Solutions at CBRE. Brandon, welcome. Thank you. And Brandon has moved on from that. He is now in Atlanta, and Julie is in Boston. Julie, you are the primary author of a terrific new global occupier sentiment survey called The Future of Office. Why don't you tell us about that survey? Sure, Spencer. So we surveyed about 126 of our global clients, and we were able to reach out of those 126, 50% of them were Fortune 500 firms, and we covered 20% of the Fortune 100. Now, the reason that I mention that is not to tout ourselves, but to say that these are not five and 10,000 square foot clients. These are clients that have tens of millions of square feet around the globe that they are managing and making real-time decisions on. And so this was a very insightful survey for not only us, but for clients to understand what their peers are doing in terms of the decisions that they are making right now. In terms of those decisions that the clients they are making right now, Brandon, you're familiar with the survey. How are they using it and how are their decisions being impacted, not just by the survey, but by the COVID-19 crisis today? Number one, uh, they're using it to, to really understand what's happening. Every single company is going through this, and this is the first time that for everybody, we no company has been through a global pandemic like this. So there is just some surety and some comfort um, understanding what other clients are doing, how are they making decisions. Uh, every decision that companies are making right now are risky. So uh, understanding what's happening out there in the world, I think, is valuable for them. So let's get to the core findings of that survey. And I'd like to just, if you can give a little bit more detail, Julie, about some of the the key takeaways. I think that the key takeaways were absolutely that flexibility is here to stay, which we can get into in a little bit. Uh, Another key finding is that uh, cyclical portfolio adjustments is what I would say are happening right now. So although our leasing activity is clearly down, there are uh, certain actions that are being taken by occupiers that are very reminiscent of what happens in typical recessionary times. Um, And I would say the last key takeaway is really that there is a lot of confidence that the future of real estate strategy is going to be different. So there is a vision right now out there that the future is different. The tactical steps of how we're going to get there are what's up for question right now. Now, to go back to that flexibility discussion, any narrative that you have seen to open up over the last three months talks a lot about work from home and how that is going to impact office demand. And I would say that what we learned for this survey is that, yes, remote work is a factor, but more importantly, what is the bigger factor is this idea that there is going to be a more hybrid workforce. 
63% of the companies that answered said that they were going to allow their employees much more choice in the future over where they chose to work on a daily basis. Now, what's an important nuance to that is that only 25% indicated that their employees were going to have choice over whether they could work in a full-time remote status. So what that indicates to me is that companies are keeping the reins on what functions they are going to allow to be put into a full-time remote bucket because there is a certain amount of culture, there's a certain amount of productivity, innovation, and also individual employee performance that needs to go into that decision that employees alone can't drive. However, the trust factor between employees and employers in having choice when you wake up of where you're going to go any given day is certainly going to be highlighted. And so that's what we have learned through this survey. Well, Brandon, there was a lot of words uh, that I, I totally agree with Julie that she took away from that survey. Trust, choice, flexibility. She didn't use the word agility, but I'm sure she was thinking it. Which of those key words are our clients thinking about today? I, I think most of our occupiers, uh, first and foremost, is trust. They're making decisions first and foremost on the safety of their employees, uh, the health of their employees. And that, that really does come first. I think they're actually doing a really good job in making decisions that are hard, but are there to earn the trust um, and you know, support the well-being of, of their employees. I think that's the number one. Uh, right around the corner, she didn't mention it, um, cost is also a really big factor for a lot of our, our clients right now because um, this is an unprecedented pandemic and it's putting unprecedented stress on many companies, you know, core business models. So that balance right now is really tough, but people are making really good, really thoughtful, uh, responsible decisions right now. Let's talk about that cost factor if we can for a second, because it's always uh, up there as the number one reason uh, that people get involved in agility, in flexible strategies. So I think from an occupier standpoint, obviously they're very cognizant of the costs that go into their build out, the costs that go into their technology, the costs that go into the, the types of building um, systems that they want. And I think that right now, what, what I am hearing is that occupiers are starting to have a bit of a push and pull with costs of what their physical footprint is costing them and costs of what the technology to support this hybrid workforce is costing them. And so they are going to have to be even more prudent than ever before in terms of what they are outlaying. And so I think that there will be discussions moving forward about the sort of shared nature of costs between landlords and occupiers uh, absolutely in the future. What about the cost of the employee at home and the increased electrical costs and other costs that they are incurring? Brandon, have, has that issue come up yet uh, with our big occupiers? It has. And this is maybe a little bit more prevalent in Europe. I'm assuming we're going to see it at some point here as well. Um, allowances for more ergonomic chairs at home, uh, better fit out for a home office. Um, that is absolutely going to be, you know, uh, more important. And I think we're going to see this evolve. If you're spending less money on your core real estate footprint and people are working from home, I do think that progressive companies are going to be looking at, you know, do you provide a stipend or a subsidy? To some extent, I think the market is going, to, is going to play out here. So a couple of points. Number one, I think there will be more of an importance on wellness. So therefore, as companies are looking at, you know, building A versus building B, things like 
the core HVAC systems are going to be important. And th that could be one of the deciding factors as companies are evaluating our different, different locations. Um, when you're looking at the capital market side, um, you know, long-term lease underwritten by a mortgage, right? Um, I do think what you're going to see is I think there is going to be a premium for flexibility. And I think we've already seen that. And when I look at real estate, you know, as a, from a financial perspective, real estate options are underpriced. Um, the option to expand, the option to contract or give up space are underpriced in the current market, right? We really have a very strong anchor around long-term leases and the other bits of flexibility that we provide around the edges um, are generally underpriced. I think when companies actually do the math, there is more of a premium that they could or should be willing to pay for more flexibility. So this trade-off, I think, of shorter term, you know, is it just going to be impacting and putting more of the risk onto the owner? I think we may see something different there and that premium for flexibility may be better understood. And that's at least where we see the market going a little bit. Well, I think that premium for flexibility speaks directly also to co-working space, where it costs more uh, dollar for dollar on day zero, but maybe not over the long term. So, Julie, what's your point of view on the future of co-working space? I have the view that from a flexible office space perspective, this is potentially the best thing that could have happened because there was so much speculation coming into COVID uh, before we even knew what COVID was, right, around is flexible space here to stay? How much can it possibly grow? Is the business model correct? And this pandemic has created a situation that is the worst case, quite literally, for flexible office providers. Overnight, their occupancy dried up. The very model by which they were built on sharing is at the core bad, right? It's, it's, it's just something that we're not doing. And so I think that what comes out of this, the business models that come out of this, the players that come out of this, where the geographies are that these guys are, is going to be stronger than ever. And investors are finally going to have some meat to be able to say, now I have some history to this. We've been through a recession. We know what has worked. We know what didn't work. We know how fast occupancy came back. And that is ultimately going to position this industry to just fly after this, I believe. So, Brandon, you agree? Co-working was actually born in the last downturn. So I think that comes back. But, but for bigger companies, I, I think the word co-working and a lot of it came with that, the culture, the amenities, the community, all of those sorts of things, I think that becomes a lot less important. I think the core of great space on flexible lease terms um, with less capital outlay uh, that is more plug and play, that those you know check all of the boxes for lots and lots of occupiers. I think it may be a good thing that we've lost a bit of the, you know, the focus and the emphasis on the community side of it. I think that's a winning recipe. And I, I do think that that comes out stronger. I don't think it's gonna be called co-working. I would totally agree. And I said flexible office space, right? Because that's what I think we're moving towards. And I would say that the survey told us that the three elements of choosing a flexible office provider that are most important to our enterprise clients right now are health and safety principles, privacy and security principles, and reputation. And that is very different from what it probably would have been just 12 weeks ago. Two areas I want to explore here for the moment is one, the future of the city, the CBD, 
And the second is the suburbs. And the third, I guess, is moving to another market. Did our survey pick up any of that? And if not, where do you think those trends are going? So from an urban perspective, uh, even before the survey, I think that we would have all said as real estate professionals that the city is not going anywhere. The city has existed for thousands of years for a reason. It's a place that has energy. It's a place where people can connect with each other. It's a place where businesses have a great ecosystem in order to be able to thrive. And that's not going to go away. What the survey did was confirm that belief for us. And actually under 10% of the occupiers that we surveyed actually indicated that they wanted to disperse away from the urban core, indicating that most of them wanted to stay put. That's number one. Number two, from a suburban perspective, I think there's a lot of narrative out there. I think that there are a lot of different opinions out there about what people feel about the suburbs. And personally, I believe that it is very geographically driven. So I live in Boston, and the brokers that I talk to here in Boston wholesale believe that there are going to be a lot of occupiers that are interested in the suburban markets. Now, from a Boston perspective, we are heavily dependent on mass transit. There are historically very long commutes that it takes to get into the city, and we are um, heavily financial services driven. And so I think that given all of those factors, it makes sense that there may be some more interest in the suburbs. However, the suburban campuses of perhaps the 80s are not what we're envisioning. We're envisioning more satellite-type hubs that people can touch down in when maybe they don't want to go to an urban core office, but they also might not want to work from home because there's a number of distractions that, that happen at home. And so they might rather touch down at a satellite location. So I would be very surprised if we didn't see some types of demographic shifts that are accelerated coming out of this into the markets that have lower cost of living, higher quality of life, perhaps less dense. But again, I don't think in a way that is going to damage what's happening in the primary urban core markets. Well, Brandon, Julie is not saying that the CBD is dead, but she's pretty bullish on the suburbs. What's your point of view on CBD versus the suburbs moving forward? Yeah, I believe in cities, uh, full stop. And I think what we've got here may be a a temporary or a short-term dislocation. I think what I would argue for more than anything else is the urban environment and cities in general um, are where innovation takes place. The real challenge, I think, is going to come for companies to figure out, how do I drive innovation? How do I drive new ideas? How do I drive the next breakthrough thing? And I don't know if that's as easily done through dispersed working, working at home. I think where Julie and I agree is, are we going to move towards a state where uh, employees have more choice of where they can work and how they can work? Absolutely. But uh, I, I think there's that additional element. I don't know, maybe I'm old fashioned, but but I think cities are here to stay. Well, I'm with you on the cities, but I am not with you on one thing, Brandon. You use the term there, productivity. I believe that work from home is highly efficient, but it is not productive, certainly for the things that we're talking about here for higher value add work. So I disagree with you definitionally, but what do you think, Julie? So... I fully agree that we need to get to a place where we are better able to measure productivity. Um, number one, because we are a data-driven world right now and decisions are made based on data. And I think that when you ask occupiers, how are they measuring the efficacy of their space, right? They are going to the places that are efficiency-driven, 
What they're not saying in droves is that I know that I can link my employee engagement with my workplace. I know that I can link better revenue with my workplace. And those are difficult to do because they are not very easily math driven with a denominator and a numerator that you can pull very easily. And so that is where I see the future going is being able to understand where productivity is based on the workplaces that we're providing. And at that point, when we can link those two, I really do believe that the workplace is all of a sudden going to catapult in importance because of the reasons that Brandon said, which is that part of the time you have to come together in some way, shape, or form, not to do individual work in an urban core that's $80 a foot, but to actually collaborate and drive the innovation, the productivity of your company. I, I think that's so important. And I think what we're going to find is we're going to use different spaces to accomplish different things. And we had already been on this trend. We'd been going down this trend for quite some time. The workplace has to be something fundamentally different than what it has been in the past. And the workplace has to be uh, a destination. You know, we are now we are now competing for our employees time in the office because they can now work from anywhere. And I think more and more companies are going to give them that choice. So if you want to be a great company that drives incredible innovation and leading edge thought and the most talented people, you have to have a workplace that compels them to come in where there's a desire for them to come in because, I mean, really otherwise, I've got a desk. I can do work just about anywhere. And, and if you travel a lot, you, you get pretty good. I can, I, I'm actually most productive sometimes on an airplane seat um, with no distractions. So uh, it's going to change the nature of the office. The office is going to become more of a, a destination to get key things done as opposed to, you know, where you plug in every single day. I want to now go deeper inside the space itself. So I guess starting from the survey perspective, any changes to the workplace configuration, uh, open office um, or activity-based learning uh, because of COVID, uh, Julie? And then uh, Brandon, what are our clients saying about workplace design? So the biggest change is honestly the sentiment towards uncertainty. And what I mean by that is we asked two very distinct questions. Number one, um, are you... Pre-COVID, were you more open or enclosed environment? Post-COVID, are you going to a more open and enclosed environment? And then what are you doing in terms of seat sharing? So unassigned versus uh, assigned. And what we found is that largely most corporations were moving towards obviously a more open plan environment, but not to say that it was open plan at the um, at the uh, implication of private work, right? We knew that we were building in private focused environments into that space because we were building in activity-based workplace environments. And where the sentiment is going is to uncertainty. And the way that I read that is that we are in the middle of a pandemic that is being driven by proximity of people to each other in enclosed shared spaces. And so naturally right now, without understanding the science truly behind how this um, truly is transmitted and how it's going to be solved, it is hard for occupiers to make a leap in a decision where they have to invest a lot of capital and they have to make a long-term change 
um, to their workplace design. That being said, I think there is a very clear understanding that there will be a more hybrid work model. So uncertainty around design, but there seems to be an understanding that we are moving towards an environment that's going to be more shared than ever. Julie really did hit the nail on the head. Companies are trying to figure it out today. They're mostly kicking the can. Um, I have not seen a lot of our clients taking big, bold moves um, because there's a lot of uncertainty. So what we're seeing instead is they're going to short-term renewal of an existing lease. Um, We're not seeing as many companies, you know, making uh, big retrofits. Uh, big moves to retrofit their spaces right at this moment because capital is dear. Um, the markets are uncertain. You know, who knows what rents are going to be? Are we going to make that commitment today or are we going to make that commitment in two years and so on and so forth? So so right now, I would say the general consensus is hedge. But longer term, um, I do think that this is a continuation of the trend that we have been on, which is companies are going to uh, fit out offices that allow them uh, much more agility. It allows them to actually flex up and flex down in that office. If you take any utilization study, if a company got over 60% of their space utilized during working hours, that was a phenomenal you know, result. So instead, moving towards you know, much, much higher levels of amenities, more choice, more flexibility in terms of what space you can use where. Do you need an office? Use an office for a day. You need a conference room? Use a conference room. You need an open workstation, open to the sunlight. Use that open sunlight, use that open workstation. Um, If you wanna work from a couch, you know, so on and so forth. So we're gonna see more of these activity-based workplaces that provide more of of that choice. I also wanna talk about this dynamic between wellness and sustainability, green versus well. And do you think that Number one, that wellness will rise to that same level of importance to employers as sustainability. And number two, are there areas where they might be in conflict? Wow, that's a whole lot in one question. I do think it would be a tragedy if out of all of this, um, we wind up kind of, you know, locking the doors and, and rolling up, you know, the carpet and we're living in our own little bubble in these, you know, glass towers in cities. If that happens then I absolutely think the cities could be at risk. If we go back to office towers being fortresses, you might as well go to the suburbs. That's 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 kind of my my opinion. But I think people's memories and I may be an optimist. I think people's memories are short after the 1918 pandemic. You know, what, what was next? It was the roaring 20s. Right. There was no social distancing happening in the roaring 20s. So that need for people to be social, I think, is innate. So um that's the amenities. I got off on a tangent there, but do you agree with that, Julie? So I think that from a wellness and an amenities standpoint, um, it's going to be more important than ever, right? And I think that what was an amenity yesterday is no longer going to be an important amenity tomorrow. One of the probably most popular ones is a foosball table. I don't think that that's going to be so popular in the future, and that's going to be on anybody's agenda. Um, however, what maybe is um, the ability to uh, get access to really cutting edge technology in order to better connect 
with a more hybrid and remote workforce. Um, the ability to have outside space, even if you're on the 20th floor of a building, those might be the amenities that become a lot more important to moving the needle to people wanting to come into the office. From a sustainability standpoint, I mean, I think sustainability is certainly on the agenda. I mean, we clearly, with this forced remote work experiment, have done a lot for the planet, right? And so I think that when we go back into the office, this idea of sustainability is only going to continue to rise up the agenda. Um, and although at times it could be in conflict, I think that largely it will win out. So let's take out our crystal balls now. What's coming next in the survey where are we going to be improving it, changing it, moving forward? And what do you hope the clients to get out of it? We already understand that there is a vision for change. And I think that what the survey results will begin to show is what the tactical steps are to getting to, towards that change. Right now, there's a lot of inaction happening. People are only taking action where their hand is absolutely forced because there is a market timing thing to take advantage of or because they have a least catalyst activity. And I think that over the months, what we're going to see is action towards what is happening with long-term um, decisions around relocations, around expansions, around where they're moving around the United States, if not the world. And I think that's the biggest change that we're going to begin to see is action being put to the sentiment. Yeah, I, I think from the client's perspective, none of us really knows what to expect as we look forward. And I think everyone, are, a lot of the folks that we're talking to, they're all asking the same sorts of questions. So it's interesting to kind of see the trends of the questions evolve. Three months ago, every single discussion was around rent abatement. We're past that, right? That's, that's taken care of. The next set of questions were, um, how on earth can we go back to work? And people still haven't figured out the timing of that, but they generally have a plan of how they're going to make that happen, you know, when that ultimately does kind of come to fruition. What we're seeing in, the, in these client surveys is, is now folks are starting to look ahead. And that, to me, is, I think, the most optimistic piece I'm a little confused by how certain they are about their ability to forecast long term. Um, that still confounds me. But the fact that they're looking ahead and now trying to set the course of what will my portfolio look like? What will my workforce look like? How will I need to accommodate them? I, I see that as a very positive thing. On behalf of The Weekly Take, I want to thank two friends of mine, two industry leaders in the future of office, Julie Whalen, the author of the survey, along with another colleague of ours, Travis Dees, who did a great job as well on the Future of Office survey. So, Julie, thank you for joining the show. Thank you, Spencer, for having me. And Brandon Ford, fellow Westchester guy, a president of Client Solutions at CBRE, another friend of mine. Brandon, thank you for joining the Weekly Take. Thanks, Spencer. For more information, go to CBRE backslash the Weekly Take. Until next time, I'm Spencer Levy. Be smart, be safe, be well.